Welcome to Justifying the F Word, episode number four. If you are tuning in for the first time, we promise you guys the F Word isn't as scandalous as you think. Or is it, Megan? Well, I mean, if we're talking about your 40s and 50s being scandalous, then we're all about it. But actually, this is a platform definitely focusing 40s and 50s, but really any age to live your best life. I think your 40s and 50s should be scandalous. Yeah. Why not, right? Let's, yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> all right. So let's uh, recap the week here. For those of you who may not have tuned into the last episode, Megan had some pretty major hip surgery and has been essentially housebound for the last, what would you say, 10 days? Uh, Almost 12. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she can't put any weight on her right leg. So it has been crutches, wheelchair, brace, hopping. Yeah. It's been, it's, been, yeah. So hanging in there. Um, Wednesday I go in. So hopefully I'll be cleared to, again, a miracle happen, but to walk and take that brace off. So, you know, cross my fingers that I've done my work and it will be a slow recovery, but that will be just the first rung, if you will. I love it. Um, moving to, healing. So I love it. Well, last week we talked about resistance and last week we talked about setting some resistance goals. So Megan, um, you laid out there that you were going to create a daily list and cross it off every day and make sure that you had purpose. Why don't you let the audience know how it went for you? Yes, this I feel was such a great resistance goal from where I am at right now, because like we explained, I'm home And kind of limited in what I can do, but waking up every day this week, instead of just laying around me like, Oh, what, what show I'm so bored and I'm going about my day of setting a resistance goal. So that, that was some days, Hey, I'm going to fold a load of laundry. I'm going to shower, take a nap, read a chapter of my book, you know? So it wasn't these these huge monumental goals, but it was enough to keep my brain moving and feeling accomplished at the end of the day. That's absolutely fantastic. And for those of you that don't know Megan, she's always on the go. So this has been pretty difficult. So she's always running around the neighborhood out for a walk and she's turned into the creepy lady who never leaves the house. Yeah. Hopefully that's going to change here soon. (laughs) At least we had trick-or-treaters, right? You didn't scare them away. Yeah. So (laughs) Quinn said, if you listen to episode three, um, his resistance goal was the 4.30 a.m. wake-up call. How did it go this week, Quinn? Can I just go on the record and say that was a terrible idea? Yeah, especially especially that one week in, he's like, oh, feeling good. And then daylight saving, yeah, boom. I should, I should have maybe done this when daylight savings wasn't coming around the corner. But uh, no, it was great. I've been really wanting to add in some more cardio. And I felt as if I was being rushed at the gym. I just didn't have enough time to get in everything that I wanted to. So adding that extra, you know, essentially half hour, 45 minutes has been huge. So here, here for resistance, right? Yeah. And you hit it (laughs) five out of five Monday through Friday. Yeah. And I tried to go to bed at eight 30 every night, but that didn't work either. (laughs) (laughs) So my resistance I have this week is convincing my family to all go to bed earlier. Yeah. So, um, we want to hear from you guys. So we are, we created a Facebook group. This is a private group. So, um, the Facebook group is just fine. The F word. And 
find us on Facebook. We would love to hear from you guys, just what's going on in your life. What are you doing? What resistance, anything? Let's start a discussion. We'd love to hear from you. So we've been absolutely overwhelmed by the amount of people who have tuned in. It's caught on like wildfire and we have listeners from Hungary. We have listeners from Ireland, Australia, the United States, Europe, And it has been really fun, too, to have the people who've direct messaged us on Instagram and ask questions. And so that's one of the big reasons why we want to start this Facebook group is we'd love it. If there's something you guys would like us to talk about or you have a question, we'd love to answer it. So one of the questions that we did get um, last week, if you didn't hear the episode, we talked about one of the big things of resistance that we've had in our life was the recession. And the question was asked, how did the recession affect your marriage with all kind of the turmoil, moving, the the hard things? And I'm, and I'm throw, throw a baby, throw, in there. <laughs> throw, throw a newborn baby in, into the mix. So in uh, two cats and a three year old. Yeah, it is. And yeah. a thrown out back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's for another time. So but, Megan, why don't you answer that question? For um, us? I definitely feel that this it, it was definitely challenging. Um, but we have mentioned in previous episodes that we didn't arrive at that situation singularly. It was a joint effort. And so instead of playing the blame game of this, this, and that, um, Quinn and I decided to take that moment to, hey, we're a team. We're going to dig out this. Let's sit down and make a battle plan. So, you know, like we're sitting at the top of that mountain saying we're going into battle. This is how we're going to do it. And we're doing it side by side, fighting it together. I think we also both had to love the taste of pancakes and waffles because they were dirt cheap. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And ramen. And uh, yeah, but I think it it was one of those that um, instead of building resentment for each other, um, and frustration, it was trying to take that energy and putting it in to how we can we progress together as a team instead of, because that resentment was not going to get us anywhere, but just that tension in our marriage. Well, once again, thanks for the question. If any of you guys have any questions, reach out on either Instagram or through our new Facebook group, and we'll make sure we uh, get to you. So I want to introduce this week's episode, and this week's episode actually goes right along with the title of a sample song, one of my favorite bands. But what we want to talk about is, who am I? Seems kind of seems kind of big, right? Yeah, this is, <laughs> yeah, we're just going to tell people, you're definitely going to want a pencil for this one. Um, it, it's a big one. We're going to be covering a lot but um, we've spent, I definitely feel like, out of all of our episodes, a lot of time on this episode. Yeah, we've had some serious couch time penning yeah. this one out. So we're going to be diving into essentially the representation of the season of Christmas past, the uh, ghost of Christmas present, and Christmas future of self-identity. See what Ooh. I did there, little Charles yeah. Dickens? Well, and I feel like now that the Christmas season, like literally, it seems to start November 1st and Black Friday, like literally started in October. I love Black Friday. I know you do. I would rather like lose a toe than do Black Friday. But um, I do feel like this is a perfect analogy just because tis the season, baby. Mazel tov. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Christmas past is where we're going to start. So this is your past identity. This can be your identity growing up. Um, I think a lot of times this is where we get so focused on, on keeping that 
ghost of Christmas past. Or maybe locked into the ghost of Christmas past, right? So if you really think about identity in its true form, the funny thing is identity describes who you are. But in the truest sense, if you are a child, for example, you don't pick your initial habits. You imitate them. So you are going to develop your identity through things like culture, your religion, friends, family, social situations, uh, extracurricular activities. All those things are going to shape you based off your environment. So once again, we do not pick our initial habits. We imitate them. And these aren't bad things. So it's it's not saying, ooh, we're imitating. Um, we form our own initial identities. So this could be something that a behavior, habit, interest that are attractive because it helps us fit in. So for me, growing up from the time I was basically a toddler all the way up um, into my 20s was soccer Megan. And I love soccer and I feel like I was decently good. Number seven. Number seven. It was always my number. <laughs> like, whew. But um, the reason why I'm bringing up this identity was it, it was what I lived, I breathed for. It was something that was always associated with my name. And um, I, I had a teacher, a mentor in my life um, that he was an Olympic runner. And from the time I was in seventh grade, he saw this strength of being a runner. And I remember, you know, family, friends, and he sat me down and was like, uh, you're making a big mistake being a runner. And I was like, I'm a soccer player. And um, so he literally, it became this like ongoing joke um, that I just wouldn't give it a try. And I did one year and it was one that like I shouldn't have walked away from uh, being like uh, to be the runner Megan in track cross country. And but I couldn't give up that identity. And then it was something that I discovered in my later life that I was like, "Ooh, I was probably way more talented in that than I was in soccer. But that was where where I fit in. Well, yeah. And it's where you had formed that initial identity identity. And I think the hardest thing is in life, once you form those identities, once you get known as say soccer, Megan, you might be way better at something else, but because you've essentially cemented that identity, it makes any change really painful and really difficult. Well, and I will tell you as being like that 14 through 18 year old, um, thinking of walking away from that group to go do something new was terrifying. And it is one that I've told Quinn multiple times that uh, was slightly a regret of mine because I, w- I held on to that identity. Because obviously, and there's going to be a lot of analogies about running and all of that today as well, um, just because it is a love. But I've spent more of my life loving running. And I hardly ever play soccer anymore. But that was such a huge identity for like 20 some years of my life. And just so you guys know, we're going to be talking a lot in metaphors. Yes, that's what we're saying. <laughs> this isn't going to be like, yeah, so metaphors of running. So you're not like, oh, snooze. Snooze, yeah. So essentially, Megan grew up her whole life playing soccer, but she couldn't shed that identity 
but you were a much better runner. So as Megan got older, she started transitioning out of that identity and becoming a runner. And this kind of goes into what I want to talk about next. So there was a point, we used to have this giant walk-in closet in one of our houses. It was basically the size of this recording room that we're in, more or less. And I was like a goldfish. I grew to the size of that tank. I'm not saying Megan grew to the size of the tank, but her shoe sure did. Yeah. And now we have a closet that is like... A quarter of the size. Yeah. Even if it's that. Yeah. So I come walking into the closet one day and I see probably 20 pairs of different running shoes on the floor. And I'm looking at it. And were these new? Like, no. was I using them? No. no, 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 no. I mean, it was, we're starting, we're starting like museum collections here. It's like, if you went to like the, I don't know, the, uh, the Mustang museum and saw, you know, the sixties on up of different, different makes and models of Mustangs. That's kind of how it was with Megan's running shoes. And I remember I talked to her and I was like, listen, we're running out of room here. And I said, let's get, let's get rid of some shoes. And what was your answer? Oh, but. I'm going to go mow the lawn in those old running shoes. Or what if I, like I had my old cleats from high school that had like holes everywhere in them that I could not part with because of that identity. Right. And I would just be like, what, what if I get called up to like go play outdoors? You're like, I'll go buy you a new pair of shoes. Like, but I just always had like a excuse of mowing the lawn in old pair of shoes or some reason why I couldn't move past these shoes. And so it got to be a contention point. And I said, okay, we need the clean house. We got to get rid of all these old shoes. And the, the <laughs> much to my chagrin, the hardest thing about getting rid of the old pairs of shoes was Megan replaced them with new shoes. Yeah. And so just fun fact about me is I name my shoes. I, I name all of them. So oh, that that's just cute. Yeah. So, you know, when COVID hit, I was like, these are COVID shoes and these are surgery shoes. And just so you know, Thursday, I'm I'm having my hip surgery shoes. They'll arrive in the mail. Yeah. So every pair of shoes comes out and Megan displays them and she does some sort of like sexy Bob dance thinking that she's seducing me by showing me her new shoes. And I, I wish that were the case, but it is not. Yeah, but I can't help that I'm this cute. <laughs> <laughs> it helps, right? Okay, so let's get back on track. Uh, <laughs> so the whole point, though, of getting rid of those old shoes is they weren't serving any purpose, but to her, they still retained a value or a shed of the identity. And that's just like us. We're going to hang on to identities to the point they're not even relevant to, for us. And when we do that, we no longer make room in ourselves for growth. We no longer make room for new identities or self-growth. And then we get up to a point in our lives when we, and this really goes back to the title of the episode is who am I? Because you have this closet full of stuff that no longer is relevant. You have running shoes that you're no longer running in, but you're still hanging on to them because you think that's who you were at one time. For sure. And so I had a point where waking up in my thirties, right? I talked about soccer, Megan, that being my identity. And I remember waking up in my thirties and being like, it, it it doesn't matter. Like that identity is, there's been no one in 
my adult life that has been like, boom, that's Megan. Like, you know, she blah, 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 whatever it may be. It was, it wasn't a prerequisite for being this adult. It was a great experience, but that was not my identity whatsoever. And then I think also that came a little bit um, later into my thirties where we talked in episode one, but that, that moment where I was a mom, stay at home mom. That was my whole entire life. Like, you know, taking care of my kids and I still am there, but they are gone the majority of the time at school. So there was that, that left with who, who am I? Like I still am a mom um, and I'm still a wife, but it's changed. And so what do I like to do? And I, I'm not soccer Megan anymore. Like, what is it that, that makes me, me? So essentially what was happening is you were trying to find what new pair of shoes. Oh, <laughs> is, this, is this permission? Because I mean, well, just give me your debit card. No, it was, you were trying to find which new pair of shoes to wear. And I think we all go through identities where we may have accomplished something awesome and done something amazingly cool. But as Megan said, you get to a certain age and nobody really cares. They might go, ah, that's cool. But something that you held so much value in no longer really is relevant or really doesn't project you into anything else great. Yeah. And, and growing up that identity, that was what helped to shape you and all that. So we're not downplaying that, that those were experiences that made you, you, but it's not something to necessarily like, it's not going to be applicable in your forties. So taking the analogy of a running shoe, Okay. We talked in last episode, I worked at a running shoe store. So you make a purchase of a running shoe. There is a mileage of those shoes. Um, and it's a range depending on how much you weigh. Um, and over time that shoe breaks down. And if you keep running in that shoe, that is no longer servicing, um, initially what it should be doing. Your supportive needs. Yeah. Your supportive needs. It can actually be detrimental Meaning like I, I can always tell, and this is why I'm like, oh, time for new shoes, is my knees start to kind of hurt. Like I'll go on a run, I'm like, ooh, my knees are hurting because I don't have any cushion of support that I used to have. And so it's kind of shedding that identity and saying, okay, I'm going to like, I'm going to start this relationship with a new pair of shoes. <laughs> I think that's just it. I think you have to be willing to give up the old and as Megan just said, if you are to run in those old stomped out pair of shoes, it can hurt you. So if you move into a section of your life and you say, are we talking old bowling shoes? <laughs> not, ugh. Yeah. But if you move into a section of your life where you're still, maybe high school is awesome for you. And so you're still hanging on the high school or maybe college. Well, you're, you're living in the now in the present. And so those old habits can hurt you because you're putting more value on them than what you need. So I wanted to talk about just a story that happened with me. And this was kind of through a pinnacle, not kind of, but it was through a pinnacle life-changing moment where I had uh, a good friend of mine, Corey, pull me aside. And he said, dude, I want to tell you something. And I thought, okay, I need to be more professional. I need to be essentially someone I wasn't. And I was in the, I was saying, I need to shed the identity that makes me me and be somebody else, which isn't healthy either. And my buddy pulled me aside and he said, Quinn, I want to tell you something. And I said, what's that? And he goes, people like Quinn Brown for being Quinn Brown. They don't like Quinn Brown for trying to be the person 
that you're pretending to be. And that hit me pretty hard because I felt like I'm, I'm just trying to fit in. And what I was doing by trying to fit in was I was, I was like, okay, I'm shedding these past identities. Right. I'm, and I'm trying to be this professional, but I had shed too much. Well, and I think people can see, I mean, I think if we all look at our lives, we've, we know people where you're with them and you're like, I don't think that that is their true self, like almost where they're fitting a part in a play and maybe they're not the best actor or Mm. actress. Like, and so in that situation is maybe that you're not everyone's spice, right? But you know, you, you need to, to know that you need to be you. Oh yeah. And I, and and like we talked in episode one, unapologetically yourself. And sometimes that's going to leave you maybe alone. And sometimes that's going to help you get to where you really want to be. I think like Megan has always told me, like, it's like a two inch heel, right? Ooh, yes. It's not for everybody. Isn't that? I know people always say like, (laughs) how do you, and I mean, I'm, I wear athletic shoes 98% of the time, but if I dress up guys, I like a good two inch heel and people say all the time, like, Ooh, that's not my thing. I'm like, it's not for everybody. It's okay. It's my thing. I like it. So, um, and so here Quinn is telling about being, you know, you know, people love you for you. So we're going to talk about sometimes you can be a little too much yourself. So, uh, QB, tell us about your first job out of college. Cause this <laughs> is a great story about Quinn embracing himself, but maybe like tap the brakes, tap them a little bit. Just know your so, audience. Yeah. Know your audience. Okay. So. so I had, uh, as I had mentioned before, I had had that conversation with my friend and he had called me out on it. So I, I had made a commitment in my early twenties that I was going to do the best to be me. Not saying I haven't fallen back into that at times and tried to imitate other environments, but I was like, okay, I'm going to be me. So I always like to joke around. I keep things light, um, a little inappropriate at times, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Well, and the thing you need to understand about Quinn is he, he loves, like, I would say like a good dad joke or like just something where he'll think of it and it just kind of like bust out like humor all the time. And so he's kind of had to learn at certain times, read the room. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Read the room. Yeah. So, so there I was a total newbie working in an engineering firm and we had a uh, project manager who was a PhD chemist and she was training uh, like a uh, a therapy dog. Like a service dog. Yeah. Service dog, therapy dog. And so I walked into her office and being polite, I just said, uh, I said, Hey, uh, well, it wasn't just her. It was your boss too. No, it was, <laughs> it wasn't just my boss. It was the guy who was the office manager over the entire. Yeah. Term. Like it was, there was multiple it was, people yeah, there. It, yeah. was, it was the boss boss. And so I walk in there and she's got this dog on the floor and right at the same time, meet the parents had come out. So it was, it was, it had come out that summer. So it was, it was pretty new and relevant. So I walk in and I see this dog laying on the floor and I'm like, what's the name of your dog? And she's like, she looks up from her desk and everybody's in there and they just kind of stop and look at me. And, and she's like, Oh, my dog's name's Gaylord. And I'm like, Fokker <laughs> thinking I just hit the lottery on uh, the, the, the best. Uh, is she's like, what? Funny mo- and she's like, what? And then the, uh, you double down, I doubled down and the, uh, office manager was like, excuse me, Quinn. And I'm like, 
fucker. Yeah, you just keep going like, and you're pro- <laughs> like, I can just imagine you looking around the room just being like, I'm so funny, guys. Uh, I'm grinning ear to ear yeah. thinking I've just uh, pulled the lever and hit the jackpot on uh, funny moments because Gaylord Fokker from Meet yeah, the Parents, yeah. right? Like who names their kid that? And nobody got my joke at all. No one. And I said, hasn't any, they were all looking at me with a total look of disgust, thinking I just dropped the F-bomb in the office twice. And I'm like, hasn't anybody here seen Meet the Parrots? And they're like, no. And I'm like, I'm going to go now. And <laughs> if if you need me, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be over here, okay? Uh, all right. All right. Bye. Yeah. So know, know your audience. Like, mean, be true to yourself. It doesn't mean go in and change, but also... It doesn't mean go guns a blazing and be like, this is me. And there's certain situations that maybe you just got to put it a little in your pocket. You know, don't burn the ships. Um, But uh, definitely, you know, kind of finding yourself. Yeah, just as you change identities, you know, we talk about, as we discussed at the very beginning of this episode, is your identities are environmentally formed. And then as you start to really figure out who you are and be comfortable with those identities, you also need to be cognizant of who you're around and what you're doing and you need to be true to yourself, but sometimes don't yell Fokker in the middle of the office. And yeah, probably <laughs> not a good idea. Okay. So we talked about the ghost of Christmas past and that ghost of Christmas past had to do with how our identities are formed and then how we struggle with identifying what they are and then kind of moving on. So I want to talk now about the ghost of Christmas pa- present and how that will shape the ghost of Christmas future. So this is really the time, if you have a chance, pull out a piece of paper, pencil, pen, um, pluma. Yeah, whatever writing you do. Lapis. <laughs> uh, this is the bread and butter right here because we've talked about, we, we can all look back and know what um, we're, you know, kind of shedding those old identities and finding um, your unapologetic, like yourself. So um, step one, this is know your purpose. Okay. So Quinn, what does that mean? to know your purpose? Well, I think it's like a good old fashioned triple A triptych for those of you that are, might be a little bit older or uh, a good GPS heading is know where you're going or know what makes you, you. For sure. So what makes you, you is there's two buckets this isn't the bucket with the uh, ladder. We're, no, we're I all mean, about you, talking about yeah, buckets lately. I feel like we should we should be working a hardware, <laughs> hardware store. <laughs> but you can't have enough five-gallon buckets, right? Yeah. Okay. So really in life, um, when you're trying to figure out what makes you, there's two buckets that you have. And the first bucket that you have are obligations. These are non-negotiable. This is like... Your heart's going to breathe whether your heart's going to breathe. Your heart's going to beat. Really? Yeah. How about that? (laughs) Your heart's going to beat whether you like it or not. And you're going to breathe whether you like it or not. And the same goes for obligations. In that first bucket is being a parent, being a provider, being a son, being a daughter, being in a relationship, being a caretaker. That identity is there whether you like it or not, right? That Those are obligations to be a good person that you need to have. Well, and you'll find a strong identity in each of these things. Um, and, and this is only part of it. So those are the things that no matter what is going to be your purpose in life um, as far as your identity goes. But I think it's incredibly important that there's a second bucket. And I'm going to use a personal example. And my dad was a great guy. 
and would take the shirt off his back for his family and was a great provider and loved us. But one of the things now looking back on my dad's life now that he's passed is his identity was 100% based around his obligations, meaning that his bucket, he totally had 100% packed with the passions of obligation. So the passion of work. And the, being like a father. The passion of being and a, a father. Husband. Yep. Provider, a, a good member in the community, in his religion, right? And those that was his entire bucket. But the problem with that was when he retired. Which time? well when he retired the first time we were really worried that my mom might kill him well what did your mom tell him i mean quinn's mom you need to understand is a free bird she's super independent so being that quinn's dad his his purpose was work and you know his kids and his family but at that point all of his kids moved out and and so work was no longer there. Yeah, Kids so it no was one hundred percent attention on Quinn's mom. So what did she say? <laughs> she said, "Either you get a job or we get divorced." I think we're the <laughs> yeah. So he went back. So or a hobby. I think, yeah, a, I hobby. Think a hobby was because mixed in he there. wasn't. You know, she would have been really happy. Quinn's mom. Um, she likes to kayak. Um, she's always on the go. And so she would have been like, this is great that he kind of liked to golf and now he's retiring. He can golf twice a week or whatever, but he, he only had things in one bucket, which was great that his obligations, like Quinn said, he was an incredible man, but there was no other purpose. So I will say it was, it was sometimes stressful because your mom just was like, let's go, let's well, do stuff. She had her her two buckets. And I think the saddest thing about it was he spent his retirement years really just either focused on my mom or just watching TV because he did not have that second bucket. And Megan, why don't you talk about what this, what you fill the second bucket with? Okay, so the second bucket, um, the second bucket is going to be filled with your passions. Um, that leads us to the second step. Is that your undying love for me? Yes, Just my hot, passion. Hot passion. <laughs> yeah. So the second step in finding who you are is know your passions. So you're going to have those two buckets. First, you have the obligations, then your passions. And your passions are what going to help to develop like your purpose. And I think passions are for the most part selfish and selfish in a good way meaning you have to know what makes you tick. We talked about identities at the very beginning of this episode, and those passions are what gives you the purpose of enjoying life. For sure. And so uh, we're going to go back. So we talked in episode three about Quinn's love of doing marathons. <laughs> if you haven't listened, I, go back. I think there was a string of expletives. And yes. like I said, my shoes are probably now in Japan because I threw them in a canal. By yeah. The ocean. So um, that was actually the San Diego marathon. We're going back. We're revisiting yeah. that marathon. So I taught Quinn. Well, in- it was it was really formative. Yes. So number one, I retired. Number two, you learned a good lesson. Yes. So I signed up for this marathon when I was eight months pregnant. So I didn't run it when I was pregnant, but I was like, I need a goal after I have my first baby. And so I ran it when um, our first was not even six months old. So if you do that math of you can't even start working out for a certain amount of time, and I'm not here, this is not like, ooh, look at me, like I'm a hero. I will tell you I was an idiot. It was a 
terrible choice. It was, it was I that's probably the deepest darkest cave that I've gone in into a like a dark space um to finish that marathon. Um but besides that the reason why I tell this story is um this was I think like marathon 10 for me. And um and so I was my new identity before I had my first was Marathon Megan. Cause I, I never did when I hit college, I never did the 5k, the 10k. I just was like, I'm going straight to the marathon. That sounds like a sadistic superhero <laughs> marathon. Marathon. It's Megan. marathon. Megan. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, um, the reason why I'm telling the story is it, my own doing signed up for this race and I've, you know, I felt like I was very experienced. It was so hard and we did it with a group of people. Some of the people, it was their first marathon and I was the dead last one in our group to finish. I made sure you beat me. Okay. Yes. Because I have a very loving husband that he knew that I just needed to finish like five feet in front of him to feel something. But my reason for telling you this was I remember feeling just so defeated after that marathon because I'm like, this is my identity and and all this. And I realized part of it was I didn't have time with a newborn to be marathon Megan because before I didn't have kids and I, and I just couldn't go on these like three hour runs with a baby, even with a running stroller. And, um, that's why my wise husband, why don't you tell him what you told me? Yeah. So we sat down and it was a, it was a, uh, tearful conversation. Yes. Yes, and it was. Megan w- As Quinn likes to say, I do the crying in our family. Yeah. <laughs> Megan does a great job. I do. I excel. Here. I excel at it. Yeah. I do the Home Depot freakouts and you do. Yeah. That's a story for yeah. another time. <laughs> I don't know if I can justify that. Effort, yeah. I, it has to come out at some time. <laughs> but uh, so Megan was in tears saying, hey, this has been me. This has been my strength, you know, whether it be marathons uh, it, you know, 12 hour adventure races, uh, centuries. And now I don't feel like I can do it anymore. When I think more too was justify like the time. Yeah. Because I mean, everything that I love to do took so much time where I was like, this is my passion, but I, I am in a whole different role. So I said to Megan, I said, Hey, you've been good at marathons, but you're really not a long distance runner. I said, you need to train for 5Ks. And I think I was like, don't tell me what I am, Quinn. Yeah, (laughs) Don't tell me what to do, Quinn Brown. (laughs) But uh, I said, listen, you are a quick sprinter. You have explosive strength and great endurance. Let's train for a 5K. And so that, for Megan, was a huge identity shift. But she won't say it because she's too humble. But Megan went from, you know, finishing fair in a marathon to consistently winning every 5k she entered. And so the neat thing about that example, when we're talking about know your purpose is she thought her purpose was, I'm this great distance runner. I'm this great person who can log all these miles, blah, 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 blah. But when she got hit with adversity and had to shift, she actually found what she was really good at. So that could be, for example, you could be in a job and that job could be going along really well. And all of a sudden you could lose it and do a total change and be super depressed about, Hey, this was my identity. But then all of a sudden you find you walk into something that you're much better at and you absolutely crush. And I think sometimes you, when you're pushed up against the wall, 
there's that time where you're like, this sucks. But I think how many stories about people starting new businesses and that they they've come from moments of I need to change my identity. What am I passionate about? And how can I change that passion into a career and, and that? So um, definitely for me, that was such a, a wake up call because I spent years and now even even amongst runners, they'll be like, oh, I like to do these 100 milers. I'm like, I love the 5K. And people down, you know, just sometimes in the running world look down and I'm like, dude, go run a 5K as hard as you can and train. And I was able to to reach my goals as far as what I wanted my body to look like as well. So it was all around. It was one of those that I look back at it and it was, I needed that kind of like, whoa, me moment to look and redefine and find something within me that I didn't even know was really there. I think as the uh, great Matthew McConaughey would say, green light, green lights. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So our first thing we talked about was know your purpose. Okay. The second thing we need to talk about is knowing your passion. And so my sister and I had a really good conversation. When my dad was in hospice, we went for a big long walk And as we were on that walk, I was asking her, like, you know, we were just obviously my dad was in the process of dying. So we were having some pretty introspective conversations about ourselves and our dad's life and that. And and I just asked her, I said, well, what do you really want? Like, what are your passions? And she told me a story. Hopefully she doesn't get, uh, I probably should have called her and asked her, but, uh, but, but she said, (laughs) but she told me, she said, you know, I was at an activity with some women and we had to write out what we were really passionate about in life and what we really wanted. And she, she said that she looked at a piece of paper and stared at it for five minutes and then had to go into the bathroom and cry. Well, and. I, I think she spent so much of her life because her youngest is in high school. Oh, yeah. So she spent years like that same thing. And I think most women, women are, and men are going to hit this totally different because men, it's usually something with your career, something where you've spent all your time in that. Women, it's you've spent all your time raising and keeping these little humans alive. And there's a point where they still need you, but just totally different. You're like, what's my passion? So that comes to what we talked about on filling that second bucket. So finding your passion for Megan, it was 5Ks. For my sister, when I talked with her, it was freedom, independence, and adventure. Yeah, being able to travel. Being able to travel, being able to see things, and giving herself permission to do that. But the whole point is, is you have to fill that second bucket because you don't want to be left when your obligations move away from you you don't want to be left with that void. You need to fill them. As your obligations become less and less, your passions need to become more and more, or you'll hit a serious lack of fulfillment in your life. And I think all of us have probably hit a story like my sister did. Well, and so so this is the key. So we've talked about, you know, kind of knowing your purpose, your passions. So define that passion. You need to be brave enough to suck at something new. Okay, so that is where you might do it and it might be something that you're like, whoa, I I found something in me. Or you might walk away and be like, yeah, that's that's not me. Like, for instance, uh, when my kids were little, I was asked to, to sign up for this sewing class at night. 
like one night a week. And I was like, my mom's super good at sewing. Maybe this is my thing. And I just, you know, kind of envisioned like, oh, I'm going to be doing all this sewing. Um, halfway through the first class, I had convinced my girlfriends to work on my assignment while I sat back with my Diet Coke and they completed my assignment. I was like, yeah, no, this is, I, I suck at it and it's not my thing. But, um, yeah. So, and you don't have to buy into the same passions as everyone around you. So if everyone in your neighborhood's like, I'm getting into this, that doesn't necessarily mean, cause you might not, that might not bring you happiness. So, and this is more for the ladies because I feel like, I feel like you're going to break into Beyonce. Yeah. Song. All the single ladies, <laughs> all the single ladies. Um, you don't have to have a hype squad all the time to do that or to find that passion. So what is your interest? And that's great if you have a friend that has that same interest, but don't weigh it all on them doing it with you. So let's say I'm going to go back to if you have, you know, you want to try something new, that passion, maybe it's the half marathon, right? You're like, I want to get in shape. I really always wanted to do this. Set that goal for yourself. And that's great if other people do it, but I cannot tell you how many times I've been there by myself because I am there for me and me alone. Yeah. I think a great example of this is uh, I used to teach guitar lessons and my star student who also listens to this program, A.A. Ron. A.A. Ron. <laughs> she came to me and said, I really want to learn how to play guitar and was almost embarrassed by it because most of my students were between like eight and 15. And I said, let's do it. I, I will teach you. And she was so nervous and so embarrassed at first. And she did this 100% on her own. But within six months, she was hands down the best student that I had. You hear that, Aaron? If you're listening, you are a star student. <laughs> star but, pupil. But she didn't need to have like that cushion of, oh, I'm going to ask my bestie. So we do the lesson together. Like she took that step to be like, I'm going to try something new and I'm going to work through it. And when I say hype squad, I'm not talking cheering squad. I'm not saying get your girlfriends there at the end of that half marathon to cheer you on, but don't sign up or set that goal that is determined by other people. You're not going to find yourself. You got to find your inner strength to find your passion. And sometimes it's doing it alone. Yeah. You have to be willing to walk alone without a doubt. So the first point we talked about was purpose, purpose, right? Our second point, Megan, passion. All right. Our third is knowing your needs. Okay. It's extremely important when you're filling that bucket too of understanding what your needs are. So your needs are directly related to your fulfillment. For example, myself, I have, I have a need for adventure. For sure. And that adventure could be driving somewhere new. It could be stopping at a new gas station. It's just something I have to have some sort of adventure, and I really love it. Where Megan, you have a very strong need for human interaction mm -hmm. and that being positive. So as part of knowing who you are, it's critically important that you understand and know what your needs are and make sure that those needs are positive. Yeah. And so Quinn said, one of my huge ones is human interaction. Every human that walks this earth needs human interaction. They've done studies on it about, you know, if you, you don't have that human interaction, like, and all of that. But so everybody's going to need a different amount in their bucket. This is a whole different bucket. 
this time. Yeah, of your human interaction bucket. So with that being said is uh, an important part of your needs is making sure that you're reducing drama in your life um, and downsizing. We talked about in episode one that if you are in a situation with a group of friends, um, even as adults, this happens, you walk away and you're like, I don't feel good about myself. But you keep putting yourself in that position. So at your day in and day out, if you leave those situations not feeling good about yourself in that situation, that is going to just start to stick. Yeah. And I would say, even as a, as a dude, I look at it as, did I learn anything from that person? You know, was it a positive interaction where I feel lifted up or did it, did it bring me down? And what I think is incredibly important is to ask yourself, just like the closet analogy that we talked about is, are you holding on to your old running shoes? Cause you might use 20 pairs of them to mow the lawn, Megan. Yes. Now I only have one. <laughs> Or are you making room for new shoes? Meaning, are you saying, I can clear these negative things out of my life so then I have space for the new shoes and you're not tapped out? Yeah, and so a good way to reduce that drama is um, in your life is to look at the circle of people around you. Um, I mean, you're going to have work people, people in your neighborhood, whatever it may be, um, but to be mindful. So ask yourself these three things. So with the people that you're surrounded by, uh, first, do they bring positivity into your life? So we talked about how do you feel when you're with them? I'm not saying if the person has an off day, you're not like off with their head. We're done, you know, like peace out, peace out. I mean, it's just day in and day out with your interactions. Um, do they bring positivity into your life? The second is, do they support your growth or want you to stay the same? It's someone almost like that crab bucket. Do they want you to just stay totally the same and not develop into a new person? Does your growth scare them? Yes. And I think sometimes um, I've seen that where different things in my life, it it scares other people. And so if they're not supporting that growth in you, um, there's definitely times where you could be going down... um, a certain way that's probably not healthy and your friends are there to call you out that it, that's not finding your new passion or yourself, but, um, it is definitely think of that as growth. Um, the third is, do they involve themselves in your life because they care about you or is it that there's an alternative motive or objective? And so what I mean by that is if you've had friends where you hang out, but you're like, I feel like maybe because I'm part of this group, and I know this sounds like the middle school table, right? Like Diary of a Wimpy Kid? Yeah, we've watched all of those this week. <laughs> but um, no, but are they are they hanging out with you because of your social status or you are in a financial situation or whatever it may be? So just look at it and say, are, do they really care? And I think sometimes there's moments where you're like, ooh, I'm down and out. And I think we've had like like Quinn said, we, we went through, um, his father passing this summer. And I think it was, it was shocking. Just some of the people you're like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, they're not necessarily in the day in day out friends, but just came out of the woodworks to show that they cared just simply. And so that, that's the third thing is to ask yourself. Well, really, and this was some advice. Uh, one of my buddies growing up got in a little bit of trouble and his dad pulled him aside and he was telling me the story this summer and I thought it was so good, but his dad said to him, do not let others determine your outcome, son. 
And son. I, son. <laughs> he probably didn't say son. I was going to say yeah. with the draw. Was there a draw? Son. Son. Don't determine. But how many times in our lives, you know, Megan mentioned about having to have a hype squad, like somebody to go along with you to do something. Or maybe you really want to do something and you've let fear or you've let somebody else talk you out of it. And then you're left with a regret because it's something you really wanted to do. Or let's say you're afraid to be you because maybe you're in a in a social setting where you're like, I don't know how much that's going to fit in. And so the point, again, being if you're really trying to figure out who you are, and that's the whole purpose of this episode, is don't let others determine your outcome. You be you. And that's scary. It, it is scary. But as you move and you ask those questions, the more you're going to, uh, that, that fear is going to diminish. And so with this, it's equally as important in your relationship with your partner for them to recognize like your needs and your passions. Um, we talked a lot about that in episode two about marriage insurance, about love language. This goes for it too, is I think understanding like your passions. I talked about how Quinn loves to play his guitar, right? Um, and he's played in a band and I've had multiple people say, can't believe you've let him go do that. And I'm like, I don't like Quinn go do anything. I was like, you, you need- keep me at home locked away. I'm, I'm a kept man. <laughs> Knock him away. No, it, it's, I mean, obviously if I'm like, Hey, it's baby girls recital, we need to look at this. But I, he always comes back on this, um, uh, I don't want to say hi because then that sounds like a whole different experience. But yeah, like just because that that bucket of passion is being filled. And so it's an important to recognize like Quinn, as you guys can hear, like just from this episode, I talk about running and I'll nerd out and Quinn will just stay there and let me nerd out. Well, and with that being said, though, passions turn into needs to a degree. And there are times I come home and, you know, Megan would be the equivalent. You, you can't call it hangry. You could call it workout, lack of workout agitation. Yeah. And so my family, <laughs> when they went, when I couldn't run anymore and um, they knew I had surgery, like a lot of I people was like, you need to get on the rower or something. Yeah. Cause like, everybody just knows my family. If I'm in a bad mood, they'd be like, why don't you just put your, run- my, even my kids, why don't you put on your running shoes, go for like two miles around the neighborhood. Cause they know it just, it's, it's, it's my therapy. Yeah, it's so, a need. So passions and needs really play together. So we're going to move into the fourth step. And that fourth step has to do once again, when you're trying to determine who you are, you also need to really understand what are your values. Yes. So um, I think a lot of times in the process of finding yourself, um, you lose track of uh, like, like sometimes your values. Um, I think you could become a narcissist, yeah, you, be like, this, this is me and this is what I want. It, it's finding you doesn't mean that you're just going to be like, screw you, screw you. And this like it's you've grown up a certain way. It might change slightly of what you've grown up, but find what your values are. And they don't have to be the same. Well, in those values, they can't be rigid because if a values, if a value is rigid, let's say like ice, ice would be considered a rigid material. Is this your nerd yes. segment? Okay. <laughs> yes. We always yeah. have to have at least one, right? Yeah. yeah. This is, this is the, the more, you know, if you, so the more, you know, so, if, 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 if ice is rigid and you hit it with a hammer, it's going to smash. So if your values are rigid, 
the fact of them having the being rigid also leaves them open for collapse where your values really need to be malleable. So you need to be open-minded enough that as you, as you grow and develop and as your identities change and as you figure out who you are, that you're able to be, your values are malleable, meaning like, you know, metal, if we're dealing with uh, copper, you can hammer out copper, you know, and you can make it into something. You can, you can forge steel. It's malleable. It's not, it's not ice. It's not going to break when it's hit. Well, I think being accepting of others is kind of what we're talking about. And so this year I had kind of an experience of just kind of, I wouldn't say putting my foot in my mouth, but definitely opened. That's kind of gross. You suck yeah. on your toes. <laughs> I am not that flexible. <laughs> but anyway, so um, I, I know I always come back to, to books, but um, so one of the books I read this year was I would say for me a little bit life-changing and changed my I, I, ideals on kind of a value or just thought process. Thought process. So um, we lived in California and kind of in the, the, the South part of the United States um, for a good chunk of our marriage. And so part of that, and this is by no means political in that, but it was just one that, you know, um, we saw a lot of illegal immigrants. And so from my vantage point, all I could see was the take, like, you know, my kids, we were struggling, but like these kids were going to the school for free breakfast and, you know, all these things where I was like, we're working so hard and this. So I definitely had my ideals of like, yeah, man, they're like taking taking way too much out of this system. And then um, earlier this year, I read American Dirt. And I, if you haven't read it, it is, I recommend everybody read this book. I was a little apprehensive when I started reading the book because it was, I was like, ooh, I hope this isn't this some political thing. And I absolutely don't think it is. And so the book um, is about a mother and her nine-year-old son escaping from Mexico and their whole story about crossing into the United States. And I will tell you, um, our youngest is nine and um, not true in the story, but she goes on to kind of mom two girls that were the same age of my girls. And I can't tell you how many times in the book that it it literally brought me to tears because of the human element that I never thought of. You know, those people that I saw that was so, um, see, this is where Quinn makes fun of me because I am the emotional one, but just the human element of it was, um, I don't have the answer, but reading this book changed part of my values and well, my, the way I looked at it. What did it give you? It gave me empathy for this situation. So I'm not coming to you saying, I have the answers. That's not this story. It's more is I open my heart to have empathy for others. So once again, with knowing your values and having them malleable, I really feel that in order to be fully intellectually honest, you have to have the same amount of empathy as you do strengths in your beliefs. Meaning if you believe really strong in something, in order to have a honest dialogue, you have to have empathy for the other side. And that's, I think, once again, not making your value rigid like ice. Yeah. So one of the uh, classes in college that I took that is stuck with me was I took argumentation. And 
the class the very first day, the professor had us sit down and say, I want you to write something you're very opinionated, very passionate about and write down what it is and why. And we turned it in. And once it was turned in, it was locked in for the rest of the semester. And we had to write um, about a 50 page paper of the opposing the other side. And it didn't change my opinion necessarily, but it opened my eyes to have empathy. And I feel like being able to have that intellectual conversation of, hey, let's talk about this and see like that empathy on both sides of, of the argument. Absolutely. So know your values and make sure they're malleable. Megan, you want to introduce step five? Yeah. Step five is to know your strengths and weaknesses. Um, And weaknesses seem to always be the easier for people to point out and to focus on, I feel like, in this. Yeah, I mean, I think we all kind of generally know what we suck at, right? So weaknesses need to be identified so we can progress on them, really, so we can make them better or we can be intentional and turn them into a strength or, and I hate to even say the word, turn them into a strength, but really turn them into something that no longer drags us down. Like, well, and I think to be knowing your weakness, it, it could turn into something you become intentional. Yeah. It might not be your strength because we are who we are on some things that like weakness might always be there, but you're being intentional. Like, yeah, it's like, I know that I'm maybe a little disorganized, I know where most stuff is, but yeah, he'll be like, it's on that pile of 20 (laughs) papers down, but yeah. But I have had to get to the point where I put processes in place in order to overcome that weakness. And Megan, I think you have an incredible story of turning weaknesses into strength. And I think that would have to do with public speaking. Yeah. So public speaking, this was the other class that now I look back at in college and I was like, that was the best class I took and they should make every student take it. But, um, I was deathly shy. I mean, we were talking about being in front of anybody, let alone being on a microphone. Um, literally was my biggest fear. It was a weakness. I would get up there, um, in public speaking in college, we'd have to write a speech and they just, you knew it was speech week. And I would be in the bathroom dry heaving before and wouldn't be able to eat that whole week. Like I, was sick to my stomach and, um, and it, it kind of fast forward was, it was something that I wanted to start teaching spin. And I remember Quinn, cause I was like, Oh, that'd be cool to teach like a cycling class. And he's like, you'd be great. And I'm like, I'd have to be on a microphone. Are you kidding me? And Megan has legitimately turned her fear of public speaking into a career where you're on a microphone every day, teaching people being the life of the party, as opposed to I'm scared to get in front of people. Yeah. And now I feel like it's one of those that I'm like, I don't have to think twice about. I mean, maybe this one experience. So Quinn's going to tell you (laughs) the one experience literally. Well, (laughs) Um, so he talks about how he likes to do practical jokes. So one, one day I knew, I knew Megan hated to get in front of people. And as I said, I, I played in a band 
and especially around the 2000 2001 time frame we had quite a quite a big following and audience and we had been asked to do this thing at the canyon ski resort before the olympics and there was probably two or three no there's probably more than that no it was um so i did i interned for the marketing yeah but there was probably about five thousand people it was the ski jump event aerial (laughs) i i see it's so ingrained the aerial ski event and Quinn was the house band at the canyons. Now it's Park City. So Quinn did what he did, and he went and he knew the director over of marketing. Of marketing, got the whole entire department in on it to be like, "Hey, the person backed out on the national anthem." And you were the lowest on the. Totem and they said, pole. "You're the lowest man on the tone yes. pole." And I was like, "Did Quinn put you up to this?" And they had it down to like every human in that building was in on it <laughs> to the point that we were standing on the stage and they were going to bring the person out to sing the national anthem. And I could see that they had walked Megan all the way. Like up to I the was side right the at the door, right there. And I <laughs> and was they, like in the bathroom, almost throwing up. Before. They, they had printed out the lyrics that she had them there and she was right ready to get out on stage. And right before, uh, right before that we announced who was actually singing the national anthem. And I do believe it was a double-fisted finger fest. I, that, I'm pretty yeah. sure I flipped you off, and I was like, oh, and yeah, but it's sure, a good story. pretty sure you didn't talk to me. On, it, was a, it was a cold drive home, but it was an absolute uh, hysterical deal. But in all seriousness, some weaknesses come from our insecurity, but some of them come from how others will perceive us or how we are perceived. Yeah, and um, so the hardest part um, with with that weakness is to start. And one, um, like we talked about in, in episode three, there has to be resistance um, while working on your weaknesses. One is to start, identify it. It might not become that strength like it did for me, but be intentional. Like Quinn said, is like, I'm, I'm kind of disorganized. That's something that probably won't ever go away, but he's being intentional. Like he really is like, get up, okay, I'm going to intentionally make the bed. I'm going to put this back where it's supposed to and stuff like that, being intentional. Yeah, and it's like like if I know I'm leaving the house for work, I pack my bag the night before and make sure everything I need is in there. If I know I'm going to the gym, I put my keys, my wallet, and my shaker cup already mixed up with my BCAs or whatever on the counter, so I'm completely intentional of it. So knowing your strengths, strengths, though, at times become way harder than recognizing your weaknesses because I think, we all have a sense of humility where we don't want to admit what we're good at. Yeah. And I think we can sit down and make that list of weaknesses. Sometimes strengths, it's harder to see what others see in you. So it's okay. Ask your partner, a friend, someone that you trust, ask them, what do you see as my, my strengths and even your weaknesses. Cause sometimes you're like, those are things that you don't realize that maybe they're affecting other people as well. Yeah. And I think part of being a good friend or even a parent is pointing out, to people what their strengths are. And for example, we went to dinner with some friends uh, Friday night and we just were talking about life and, and about careers. And the person that we were with, I, I, I let her know. I said, you are so good at this, like unbelievably good, better than anybody else I know. And so I think also by asking people, it also gives you the permission to identify what your strengths are and, and to be proud of them. Yeah, and I think... Don't hold that back. How many times do you see something that people are good at? And I've really tried to be intentional with this when I see people be like, you're so good at this. Like, have you ever thought about doing this? Or 
that and share that with people because everybody's down to hear that. And the biggest thing is there's so many times, um, I've seen it with a lot of women is they'll start something. They're like, okay, I'm kind of into photography. So I want to start this and you'll be in a setting and you'll be like, Hey, like, so what have you been up to? Like, I've seen you post pictures and they're like, yeah, it's just kind of something on the side. Like don't shrink yourself to make others feel bigger. Okay. So again, don't shrink down, be proud of what it is. It might not be a long-term but the start, like we talked in resistance, is the hardest part. Hardest part. Like starting the podcast, it's getting easier for Quinn and I. We've talked about vulnerability in the last one. But as we have more listeners and more people communicating, it's getting easier. But that start was definitely the hardest part. So don't shrink to fit the room. Indeed. Indeed. Well, finding your strengths. So this is going to go back to uh, Megan's plethora uh i i'm not even gonna say army it would be more nation building of shoes they're really good looking oh shoes. Yeah, yeah just just absolutely amazing but uh finding your strengths is like finding that pair of shoes that you forgot about so you may once again life gets in the way right you have obligations but your strength might be something that you've carried along that maybe you've always known you were good at but you've been too afraid to play it or to give yourself permission or to give yourself permission so Think about that strength as the old pair of shoes that you forgot about that are in your closet. And with that old pair of shoes, you uh, you pull those out and throw a new new coat of shine on it. You know, buff them out. Yeah, <laughs> like a good pair of leather shoes. Yeah, yeah, a good pair of leather shoes, and they're good to go. And your will, your your that strength that you had buried, you're able to take that out and make it look good. Yes. So the last step we have arrived. So the last step is to serve others. Um. Yeah, uh, I really think there's a huge amount of fulfillment. So we talked about who am I, but we need to really be careful when assessing who you are that you don't forget about who are they, right? You need to make sure that you're taking care of people around. And there is always fulfillment and discovery when serving others. It's whenever, like, let's say you're at a team building event with work and they go, oh, we're going to go to the food bank or we're going to go do this. You're kind of like, and then you go do it and you're like, I feel fantastic. I'm so happy I was able to help somebody out. And so I, I, about a week ago, I think it was last week, talking to my- Our friends were bringing dinner over. Yeah, they brought dinner over. You were gimpied up. Yeah, I was talking to my friend Suzette about um, kind of boundaries. Like it's kind of that buzzword right now is kind of UBU create boundaries, which is good. It's good to find that uh, self-identity and that, um, and then to have boundaries. Okay. But part of that is I do think, and we were discussing, and she pointed this out was we're losing a sense of community slightly because it becomes slightly narcissistic being that you, you know, you're like, well, I just don't want to go help my neighbor across the street. So I'm not going to do it because that's not me. That's not me. I'm, I don't like to do it. And, um, so part of that is we talked about, and she pointed this out and I loved it. So that's why I'm sharing, but is what are you replacing with? Are you replacing it with something better? I'm not talking about like hanging out with someone better or will it bring more value? So it could be that you've had the most stressful week ever and you need 30 minutes 
to yourself. And that might be like, okay, like I am saying no, but I'm replacing with something that's going to bring value into my life. But you have to have skin in the game. Community is everything. It doesn't mean that you have to conform and do everything. You still have boundaries, but it doesn't give permission to just say, you know what? I'm going to see the neighbor across the street who is a widow and just let her snow pile up on her driveway. You know, I, it's looking at it and saying, okay, I can serve others. And, um, that's going to create community and that's going to help myself and others around me to, to build them up and to know that you have people to back you up. Well, and I think we've talked a lot about passions, purposes. We've talked a lot about identity and we've talked about strengths and all of those can all be compiled together to really help others out. And I think when you use those in a positive way, I sound like I'm talking about the force, yeah, <laughs> like the light side and the dark side of the force. But uh, when you use it in a positive, yeah, when you use it in a positive way, it really allows you to help others and uses your strength to build that community that Megan was was talking about. Well, and just one thing to add to that is sometimes serving others is not. I mean, there is the taking meals in and that where they're needed or shoveling your neighbor's driveway. But part of it can be, and I know Quinn and I talked about this about a year ago was change that dialogue with people that you see because you don't know their stories. So it's like going into the gas station. Now it's like, my kids are like, how come you're finding their, their whole life story? But it's more just looking at saying, how's your day? Like how much longer do you have at work? How's it been going? You know, or telling people, Hey, you look great today. You know, that is, is thinking outside of something that is just going on in your head. And how can you project that? Because you don't know how much those words and just talking and that human interaction can really help and serve other people. And how much does it take out of your day? Really? Yeah. I, I don't think service has to be a sweat equity movement. I really think service can be exactly what you said is just a kind word listening, just being there for somebody, wishing somebody happy birthday on Facebook, just being outside yourself. So it's karma, dude. <laughs> karma, bro. Karma, bro. Yeah. Um, so let's just review these six steps that we talked about in finding out who you are. And all of these are going to be posted just so you know, at justifying the F word on Instagram. We'll also put them up on the group on Facebook. But just, and this is what we wanted you to have your pencil out for. So you can use this as a, as a worksheet, if you will. So the first thing that you want to, the first one that we talked about was know your purpose. Okay. Second, know your passion. And third is know your needs and understand within those, you've got those two buckets that we discussed, your obligations, and then what your actual passions and needs are. Fourth, know your values. Fifth, know your strengths and your weaknesses. And sixth, last of all, serve others. Okay, so challenge this week um, to walk away is to sit down and write out an action item for each step because um, actually writing it down and not just, you know, kind of keeping it up in your head, that's going to put that resistance in like we talked about in episode three. Um, so this week I, um, definitely 
want to, like I said, that I go on Wednesday to start walking. So I am redefining a little bit of that passion um, because running's not in my cards quite yet. So I've talked about Quinn about imagining walking a whole lap around the neighborhood. So hot. So hot. So, I mean, you know, I might be lacing up those shoes, but definitely that is something that that, that passion is going to grow and it's going to be different than what it was. But I am... I'm all in this week, but that is just an example of something. It can be small that you're going to be intentional in just kind of redefining who you are. And I would say for me, knowing, I'm going to just use know your needs. An example with that would be is I really enjoy being outside. I really enjoy a sense of adventure. And for that, that might just mean I'm just going to go for a walk and notice something. Whether Wait, the, is it around the block? Yeah, it could be around the block <laughs> with you. But it could be just noticing, oh, hey, guess what? You know, the the hillside over there has gone brown. There's a little snow on the hill. Like just being intentional and saying, I really appreciate that. And that fulfills that need. And that brings in fulfillment. So hopefully you guys can walk away with today's episode with a roadmap on if if you're kind of struggling going, well, who am I? What do I want out of life? You know, follow these six steps and and hopefully they will help you out. And, and if they do, we'd love to hear back from you. Yeah. So make sure Facebook group, Justifying the F Word, and then also following us at Justifying um, underline the underline F Word on Instagram. So thank you for tuning in. Make sure you have a great week, F-Word Nation, and always keep it classy. And thank you guys also for listening. Please share with a friend, and if you have a chance, please review our podcast. Have a great week, everybody, and be kind to each other.